0: Alright, we're in Hebrews 12, which is kind of funny because I said last week, we're going to finish out Hebrews 12. And then I just totally ignored the last two verses. And I thought, wow, I did not intend to do that whatsoever. Uh, so I don't want to just skip them as though they aren't there. I definitely want to go back. And it works out, actually. I think that it works out pretty well because even though it's, it's probably sectioned off, if you look in your Bibles, and if you don't have one, by the way, we have some Bibles here uh, there's some on the bar back here, so if you need one, just raise your hand. Uh, or if you need help with one, just uh, let us know. We'll be happy to get one for you. But we're going to finish this out. We're in verses 28 and 29. In those Bibles uh, from the bar, I think it's page like 652 or something like that. Um, so I want to finish this out. And even though it's in kind of a different paragraph, a different, it's under a different heading likely in your Bible, it almost introduces... The rest of the verses, uh, or, or at least a good chunk of the verses that are in thirteen, pretty well. So it's actually kind of cool the way this this worked out. So I had originally intended to go from uh, verses one through three and thirteen. So let's just go from twelve twenty-eight to one three. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember that, Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. So pretty short section this morning. Um, really what I want to get at is what motivates us. Uh, What motivates us to be a part of the church? What motivates us to come here on Sunday mornings? What motivates us to sing? Does does anything motivate us to do those things? At the end of, or maybe not the end, but somewhere in the the midst of last week's sermon, I was talking about, uh, or we were talking about, how we haven't, Seen some of the things that the Israelites had seen, and it talks about this in, in verses 8 of chapter 12, verses 18 through, through 27. It talks about how we weren't there, we didn't see what the Israelites saw, and we didn't see the, the parting of, an, of a sea, we didn't see God descend on a mountain in fire and smoke, and we didn't hear his voice, and we didn't experience those things. What we've come to is more serious than that, and to me, that's just a a mind-blowing concept the idea that what just by hearing the gospel by hearing about Jesus and who he is that's more serious than what they experienced being physically in the presence of God at this mountain and and we talked about how that thought the thought that what we've come to is more serious is more glorious than that ought to shake us it ought to cause us to not just have our face in a bowl of soup, like Esau, like not trading little things of the world for for big things. It's supposed to shake us into realizing that that God has has done better for us, and he's promised more, and and, and it's something that is infinitely more, worth infinitely more than than whatever it is that we've invested in here that's temporary, whether it's whether it's good things or bad things. When we, when we come to a picture like that, that concept of, of Mount Sinai, where God is saying, don't come near the mountain or, or you will die. And then, and then we have this picture of this thing that you've come to is even more serious. It's like this fearful kind of thing, right? You, you can't help but be a little afraid. But what this is saying here in verse 28 is that our motivation should not be fear. It shouldn't be fear. It says that having realized all these things that, that God has done for us, we ought to be grateful. So I think that we, we ought to kind of hone in on that and, and, and ask ourselves, are we, are we grateful? Is that our response? When we come here on Sunday mornings, when we, when we come here at all as a part of the church and get together, what, what motivates us? Is it fear? Is it obligation? Or is it gratitude? I think that that is really important for us to figure out. Gratitude, by the way, is it's more than being glad. It's not just this sense of gladness like you're happy. It, it certainly includes happiness, but I don't think that that's the, that's the full extent of it. The definition of gratitude includes this concept that you have this readiness to show appreciation for something. You are motivated to return a kindness. So, so gratitude then is not just like, oh, this kind of passive thanks for something, like, oh, you got me this gift, how nice of you, you shouldn't have. And then you just kind of sit there. It's, it's more than that. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of thankfulness that has action. <clears throat> and, it's, and it's something that ought to move us to, to do something. So, what kind of things lead you to be grateful? What kind of things cause you to praise? Is it it this sort of thing, these promises that God gives, this word that he has, or is it something else? Do do we exult in things that that bring temporary pleasures? This this verse here, at the end uh, of 29, where it says, our God is a consuming fire. He's he's quoting from Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy four twenty four, and and inside of Deuteronomy, Moses is really setting up this contrast between the idols that they served before and God, and and this was part of part of the point, I think, of God bringing them to Mount Sinai and shocking them. And, and presenting them with this really big, epic God. Like, he didn't have to do that. We see in other places, God is, is, is almost silent. But he came in this big way that everybody noticed. And he said, the point is, so that you will know who I am. And so that you will know how serious this is. When he's quoting, our God is a consuming fire. He's quoting Deuteronomy in this concept that, that God is not this this little wooden idol that you've been serving. It's not some man-made thing. Related to that, I feel like we ought, we ought to figure out what, what causes us to be grateful, what causes us to offer up praise, to get excited. Is it something that is man-made, something that we're holding on to here, or something that we've developed for ourselves? Or is it something that God has done for us? We, we don't we, we look at things like wooden idols, and we think how silly is that right ancient peoples falsely attributed and and some modern people do but but I think mostly ancient peoples we think of falsely attributed blessings and, and curses to man made gods they 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 thought things like if the rain comes it's because you know, maybe we said so many prayers to this wooden idol or maybe we, we did something to appease these gods. And we, we think of that as being kind of silly, but they exalted in those things. They praised those things and they got excited and, and they became grateful to these fake things. It was false. And we think that that's silly. Like, there's no way I would just whittle down this little twig and, and then pray to this little wooden idol. That's That doesn't make any sense. But today, I think... I think that there are still man-made things in our lives, things that, things that we hold on to, that we think bring us joy, things that we think we ought to be grateful for, that really aren't ultimate, eternal, primary things. <clears throat> we don't have these wooden carved things. Now we have these metal forged things, these plastic molded computer program circuits that now we, we kneel down in front of <clears throat> and, and devote our time to and devote our, our excitement towards. And, and we get... We become grateful for those things in a weird kind of way as though they fulfill us. <clears throat> I think that we shouldn't think that, oh, how silly were they for having this kind of attitude where they would carve something up and then bow before it. When, when there's really, there's probably more similarities to our situation, our, our idols have just gotten more sophisticated, I think, in terms of like these physical objects that we devote our time towards. And everybody's a little different. You might have something that you, you really invest a lot in, either emotionally or in terms of your thoughts or, or whatever. But God is the only one who can provide us with what we want, ultimately, what we want and what we need. And so when we read about these things, the seriousness of who God is and what he's done for us and who, who Jesus is and, and everything that he, he did for us, even though we didn't deserve it, that ought to motivate us not out of fear, not out of obligation alone. We, I think that primarily it's saying, therefore, let us be grateful. So we ought to have this sense of gratitude Towards these promises. And towards wh- what God has done. Specifically here. It's saying we need to be grateful for receiving a kingdom that can't be shaken. So we. Past several weeks. We've contrasted these temporary, ver- temporary versus eternal things. And it's the same kind of idea here. Excuse me. Where. We. We ought to be motivated to hold on to the promises that are real. The promises that are true. And. And out of that gratefulness, he lists a bunch of things. And he starts here at the end of 12. But I think that a good chunk of chapter 13 is just kind of elaborating upon what he means when he says, And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. We could just sit and talk about what that means. I think that he kind of elaborates on what he means when he says, let us offer worship acceptable worship, I think that the details of that we're going to see throughout chapter 13. But what he's saying is, these things that we're reading about, the things that we read about every week, we come here, sometimes multiple times. We're meeting like two, three times a week, talking about what God has done. And that, that should, that's not just checking off a box, right? That's not just punching the card and saying, okay, I did it. I earned my, my church points this week or whatever it is. We ought to be moved primarily out of this sense of, of gratitude. And that gratitude moves us to action. We don't just sit back and say, thanks, God. That's great. We do something about it. And What do we do? We offer worship with reverence and awe. So, just kind of think about that. How do you worship? How, what is your attitude when you come here, when you sing these songs, when you, when you read the word of God or when you, when you have to listen to it? What, what's kind of the attitude that you have? How are you worshiping? Because he doesn't just say that you do it. He says that you do it with gratitude, reverence, and awe. So is, is that what's in your heart? when you come to God. Our songs ought to be motivated by gratitude. This is something that I had a conversation with my mom about somewhat recently because it's, it's interesting to get her perspective because I think, though I'm not certain, that she spent most of her time doing songs and worship kind of stuff in church among toddlers and, and small children like preschoolers. Uh, and, and she spends most of her time around them and when she goes to sing songs with the adults, she's like, man, this is so lifeless. And this is so, kind of like compared to these little kids who are just kind of sold out, they, the, we, we have the tendency, and I, I mean, I do too, to just kind of sit back and to be very stale and motionless and to be even monotone. maybe you even move your mouth without singing and and it's just like what kind of what kind of attitude leads to that kind of action we we don't want to to sing because we have to we want to sing because we can and because we have the opportunity to that was purchased for us by what Christ did Christ died it says we in corinthians we were bought with a price so coming here, just, I know that it doesn't seem like much, come, but coming here, being able to say, I'm going to church to be a part of the church is, is something that didn't just happen. You didn't earn your way in here. Christ purchased it. And so when we sing these songs, man, it ought to, it ought to be from the overflow of your heart, right? Jesus talks about how the, from the overflow of your heart the mouth speaks. So when we sing these songs, it ought to be motivated. I don't want people to just come in here, really. I don't want people to just come in here and sing loudly because Tim is up here saying, sing this next chorus real loud. Or, or Tanner's up here saying, this next one is really exuberant, so make sure that you're loud. Like that, we do want to sing loudly, but not because Tanner told you to. Who is Tanner? Who is Tim? Who am I? to tell you to sing loudly. For what? The, we're trying to point you towards something. We're trying to say, we're not singing loud because, because we wanna make sure that it's nice and loud in here and that we have a good atmosphere. We wanna make sure that we're singing loud because we have something to sing loud about. Right? We, and that ought, to, that ought to be present every week that we come here. The fact that it doesn't matter what happened outside of these walls, even inside of these walls, Things can tear us down, they can bring us down, they cause us to, to lose that sense of gratitude and to lose a sense of awe and reverence for who God is. We struggle. But when we come in here, we ought to be able to, no matter where we are, no matter where our hearts are, we ought to be able to, to just break down and say, man, I don't deserve to be here and, and, and praise God for what he's done to allow me to say that I am a son of God, I'm a child of God, I'm brothers with Christ, I have this family here. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. He talked about how big of a deal it was, how we've come to Christ glorified beside God and, and, and all these innumerable angels and, and this heavenly gathering that is just beyond comprehension. That, that's what we come to. And that ought to move us. So I think that it's just worth asking. How do we approach God? How do we, what's our attitude when we come here? That thought consuming fire. Um is spoken of in the Old Testament along with the idea of God's jealousy. This concept that God is jealous for his own glory and that he is not going to allow people to not glorify him. It says in Isaiah, see if I can remember it, Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. This thought of him being consuming fire is is kind of related to this idea that he's jealous for his own glory and and that he's going to shake up anything that is not devoted to him. So there may be a time now where we can, people can devote themselves to, to praising some other God, praising themselves, but ultimately that God will not allow that. And in the end, as it said earlier, yet once more, he's going to shake not only the earth, but the heavens, and he's going to consume all these things. And the whole of creation is going to be filled with his glory and, and praise, And so we ought to get ahead of the curve and just go ahead and and realize what God's done for us and and worship Him rightly. So, so we need to approach God with the right kind of attitude. But then he also moves on. Now we're getting into chapter 13. Not only do we approach God now with this kind of gratitude, reverence, awe, that that same gratitude that motivates us to come to God with praise and with thankfulness also should motivate us, he's gonna say here, to do things for other people. Remember the great commandment, greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, (laughs) strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So there's this concept, like you're gonna come to God, but also... Loving God ought to motivate you to share that with other people. So 13.1, he says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you are also in the body. So let brotherly love, this, this, this love for the body of Christ... Ought to be present in us. You love God, you love Christ, and you love the body of Christ because Christ suffered and died and purchased the body of Christ. It's it's included. Christianity is not an in, is not something that happens on an individual level. It's corporate. It's not just you that God saved. It's the body. So we come together and we we show love to one another that it, that is again motivated out of this sense of gratitude. So. You don't have to be thankful for every single person inside of the church in order to love them. We're not we're not motivated by what these other people you know, bring to, for us. What their you know how their personality interacts with ours. What they've done for us lately. Where We ought to be motivated with love for one another, regardless of of who it is or whether we know them all that well or whatever. Just this concept that you're in the body of Christ, and so I am going to love you like Christ loved you. Or at least attempt to. We ought to to do that and have that, that kind of idea in our mind because of this gratitude, this sense of gratitude. It also says, don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And that last part is a little uh, strange, right? For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. The only real reference that I could come up with with this was Abraham, uh, when when the Lord approaches him and he's sitting in front of his tent and he doesn't, I'm not sure if he recognized that it was the Lord or not. It says unawares, so you kind of get this concept that yeah, he didn't quite know what was going on. But he, he went out of his way to show hospitality to these people. He had no idea who they were. And I would think that would be kind of scary, right? Because right? it's not like he's in a fortress or anything. He's in a tent. I mean, one, one match, and I mean, that's, it's done. But I guess they didn't have matches. But, but I mean, I would think that it would be fairly easy to come and... and and take over something like that, you might be suspicious of such a person. And I think that sometimes we have this attitude down here, or at least we've had to get over that, right? Like this suspicion, um, being downtown, kind of being fearful around people that we don't know. Uh, I feel like that's particularly uh, applicable to, to where we are. Um, but, but out of this sense of gratitude, We ought to be able to, whether we're down here in our houses or wherever, we ought to be able to show hospitality to others in this kind of remarkable way that's unnatural because of the hospitality that was shown to us in Christ, the fact that Christ reached out to us when we didn't deserve it. So we we ought to show hospitality and we ought to remember those who are in prison. We've actually brought this up several times recently. And there's a lot of stuff in the news going on right now that makes this pretty easy to to do because because we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are in North Korea, who are in uh, the Middle East, and they're suffering for their faith. And I'm sure there are places all over Africa, historically, has been a place where people have suffered. Um, Really, it happens everywhere. We ought to have... Such a, such a regard and such a love for one another that, that we're moved to, to action, not just thoughts, like, oh, you're in my thoughts, but you're, you are actively going before God on behalf of other people because when they suffer, you suffer. I think back to Acts, I think it was Acts 12, um, early on in Acts 12, verse 5, um, when when Peter ends up going to prison, they capture him. They put him in prison, and but it says right after that he was imprisoned. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Like they got together and they said, "Hey, we need to we need to do something about this. We can't just sit back while this man suffers and and acts like everything's cool and we're just going to move on with our lives." We ought to get together and take this seriously. And we ought to come before God and on, on behalf of this person, pray for them. That is a pretty tall order what it's talking about here. Remember those who are in prison. How? As though in prison with them. If you're in prison, the only thing that you're thinking about is probably getting out of prison. Or maybe if you are like a Paul, then maybe you're thinking, maybe I can convert some of these guards. But, but the idea is, is that you, you're you focused on it. It's not something that you think of and then you just kind of put it aside. Guys in particular, I think, are, have the tendency to do this. I know I do anyway. Where you can compartmentalize things. And I can, I can put away something and not think about it. I can say, I'm not going to think about that right now. And I won't. And I think that we have the tendency to do that with things that are hard, in particular. Like, I don't want to feel bad all day. That's going to keep me from getting things done. So, I'm going to have to, you know, I'll, I'll schedule this. 20 minutes of prayer for this person, then I've got to set that aside and not be bothered by it anymore because I've got to do some other things now. Like, I don't think that that's necessarily the attitude that we ought to have here. This is saying, remember them as in prison with them. They are part of our body, the body of Christ. So we ought to spend time thinking about them and realize that it's not us and them. It's us. It's, they are part of us. And the church suffers when any part of it suffers. The whole church does. There's, there's probably more... That we could say here. But really, what I want to make sure that we focus on, the, the big idea I feel like in here is what we've already talked about where the Word of God, the promises of God, the actions of God ought to motivate us to be grateful. And that ought to be our demeanor when we come in here and when we sing songs. And when we talk to each other, it ought to be out of gratitude. This idea of gratitude is pretty big in the New Testament. Um, I'm actually kind of surprised in several instances how gratitude is set up in contrast to so many different things. Um, There are areas like, I can't remember the exact reference, but I think it's in Ephesians, where it's saying, uh, don't let any impure talk or crude joking come out of your lips, rather thanksgiving." and And we talked about again in in redemption groups recently um, we, we were going through this book called finally Free." I know I brought this up before, but it talks about fighting sin and and how you can put in a practical sense how how to put sin to death in your life, because so many people say and you know pastors, people in the church say man you've got to get your life right you can't be doing that but Few people are really good at telling you how exactly you're supposed to go about doing that. One of the primary means that you see in the New Testament is is this idea that we ought to have gratitude. Because if if your mind is constantly grateful to God for what he has done, then that's going to motivate you to move toward God, to think on on the Word of God, to do His will, rather than to be focused on whatever little thing you've got going on, whether it's porn or whether it's your job or, man, some relationships, whatever, video games, uh, Netflix, like all these little things that we're focused on, um, that's, that's trying to get more, right? That's like a consuming kind of, I need to get more of this thing that I want. And, and it's this, this attitude that, that seeks to be pleased by things that ultimately aren't going to please you. Gratefulness is realizing that God has already done everything necessary for you to be completely pleased in him. Psalms talks about uh, how uh, in the presence of God, he says, at your right hand, there are pleasures for, forevermore. And I know that we don't necessarily experience that here on earth and it's to its fullest, fullest extent, but we bank on that so that we can be grateful. There's a little bit of delayed gratification, but we say, that's, that's what I take pleasure in. And I take so much pleasure in and I'm so grateful for it that, that it's going to motivate me to do something for God. It's going to change my attitude. So just during this response time, just take a second and, and kind of examine your own attitude. Let's examine our attitudes and say, what is it that motivates us to be here, to do this? And if it's not reverence, awe, gratitude, thankfulness, love for Christ, if it's fear or obligation, that, that if we screw something up, then, then we're going to go to hell, then, then allow these words in Hebrews to kind of speak to you and, and to reshape your thinking. All right, let's pray. Father God, I know that too often I am not motivated by gratefulness towards your Son and not motivated because of what you've done and and the, the new life that you've purchased for us. I pray that you would change my heart and cause me to always worship you with thanks. I pray that you would cause us as a church to come here and to be motivated to sing these songs, to study your word, because it's not something we earn for ourselves. It's something that that Christ purchased for us. Pray that as people come back next week and in the following weeks as they've been gone, hanging out with family members and hanging out with friends, that when they come here, they, they would be grateful. And that when we come back, we would be grateful for the family that God has created by the blood of His Son. And I pray that we'd be thankful for being able to be here in, a, in, in the body of Christ. And I pray that we would sing these songs with gratefulness. And I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, work in our hearts to to love God with everything that we are and to also be motivated to love one another in a really kind of supernatural way that could only be described as being motivated by what you have done. Cause us to feel these truths deeply. And In Jesus' name, amen.